0: Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro, ooh. Jim Bob holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Hippity hop in the Kings Herald Barbershop.
1: You're listening to the Kings Herald Show, a bi weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today are my partners in futility. Uh, first up is a writer, and he's our podcast whiz, Tony Zipteris. Tony, happy Monday. How's it going?
2: Happy Monday, Will and Jerry. Uh, it's going pretty well. I had a, a busy weekend. I'm a married man now. I'm going to show the ring on Zoom. I know it's not a video podcast. <laughs> but uh, So yeah, big weekend over here, but basketball never stops, so I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Tony just showed us a seven-carat diamond ring that he's wearing. I wish.
2: (laughs) No offense if you're listening, um, wife, but I'll take the seven-carat if it's possible.
1: (laughs) Uh, He's a former uh, Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, and an Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it is a pleasure to have you here. How's it going?
0: Well, it's going real good, guys. And uh, congratulations to Tony and and your marriage. And uh, I know you're going to have many many
2: decades of happiness oh i hope so got a ways to catch up to you jerry you a <laughs> probably way. a decade
0: or two of uh, of uh, mediocrity
1: <laughs> so. at least how can look forward to something in his life with decades of happiness because we're talking about
2: the sacramento king you bet i was gonna say mediocrity is not too bad if you're talking about
1: <laughs> no it
0: isn't i mean no absolutely no. If that's absolutely not that's what people fail to forget i remember is that they you know it's a pursuit of happiness and sometimes it just ain't there you know that, but the opposite of happiness isn't necessarily
2: unhappy right wise wisdom as always
1: so uh so we'll start here uh the biggest news out of sacramento in the last two weeks was uh well uh, we shouldn't be expecting cade cunningham in a king's jersey anytime soon um at least if the draft lottery is to be believed uh the king stayed right where they were slotted to go uh they're going to be the ninth pick um in the upcoming draft um, I wanted to start off, I'm going to name a couple of ninth, uh, ninth picks in the draft only because when I was doing my research, I kind of talked myself into, oh, okay, well, we, we're going to draft an all-star here because uh, every ninth pick that my eye got drawn to was an all-star at some point or another, um, and I just ignored everybody else. Um, so uh, uh, ninth picks in the NBA draft uh, in previous years, Kemba Walker, uh, Gordon Hayward, DeMar DeRozan, those guys went back to back to back, uh, Joe Kim Noah, Andrea Iguodala. Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, Dirk Nowitzki, Tracy McGrady. So I'm playing basketball numerology here, but there's a lot of all-stars, a lot of things to like at the ninth pick um, in years past, again, ignoring all the heaps of people that I, I chose to ignore on purpose. So I know we're going to go in depth a little bit later in the summer uh, with the draft, um, but I want to know who we like right now, Jerry Tony, Do you have any leaders in the clubhouse uh, this early on in the, in the process? Is there anybody that you have your eyes fixed on that you really like right off the bat?
0: Well, I mean, for me, I, and I, I know you guys do a much better job than I do. I've just started uh, looking at, I think it's Schengen, the, uh, if I pronounce that correctly, uh, the Euro. Uh, I've watched a little on him and not enough to, to know much, but he sure is intriguing, I would say. Uh, I think you'd have to put him in any kind of a grouping there at nine or consider him. Uh, I like Scotty Barnes uh, just his potential really really not a fan of his actual play i like what he (laughs) could be more than what he is and and that's always scary because you know it could work out and uh, you know you're drafting the guy on what you think he's going to be not what he's actually been just on his athleticism and length and and maybe how he fits with the kings because there's certainly a need there and, and, you know, my favorite, honestly, early on here is D- D- Davion Mitchell. I I, th- I just think the guy is a, a little, little killer. Uh, you know, he's undersized, uh, you know, all the negatives that people talk about him, you know, use on him is the exact same things that were used on Donovan Mitchell a couple of years ago. And I, re- and I'm old enough to remember being used on Joe Dumars, uh, uh, you know, the same kind of thing. And, and I'm not, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I think this guy is for sure going to be Joe Dumars or Donovan Mitchell, but I mean it's also true. Uh, what's wrong with him? I mean he's explosive. He's tougher than than a five dollar stake, and I mean he, he his shooting has got to get better. But you know, you know the main rap on him he's a little undersized. But in a game today, what's undersized anyway? And, and then the second. Part is he's not really a great shooter, but but he's not a bad shooter. You know his free throw percentage isn't really good, but other than that. So anyway, yeah, he's very intriguing to me. I, I just I just think you know he's one of those guys that he might be the one that five years from now or three years from now people say, how in the world did that guy slip slip uh, down the line?
1: Absolutely, uh, Tony. I know I know him. Uh, I know Jerry talking about Alper and Schengen. Uh, gives you gives you a little happiness there. So uh tell me who who you're looking at right now, who your eyes are on.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, we talk to our, our King's Herald guys all the time, and it's I think it's funny that the our our brother or sister podcast, King's Pulse. Um, I know those guys are not very uh big Shen Gun fans. Um, but I've been watching his stuff on YouTube. Of course, it's just highlights. i fully admit have not watched uh, a lot of full game footage from Shen Gun, but uh I think the the big conversation is that at nine in this draft, the tier of players that we're talking about is so big. This is not a year like, you know, when they drafted Marvin Bagley, where you know I was so strongly for someone like Luka Doncic. I don't think at nine with the players in this field, there aren't a few, there aren't so many guys that I would be very upset about the Kings drafting. It's kind of, I don't know, you're kind of in crapshoot territory where you see guys, you see some tools that you like, and you just hope that you picked the one that will develop into the best player. That being said, I think Shen Gun at 18 uh, being the MVP of a, of a pretty good league in Turkey, I think his, his shooting percentage, uh, his true shooting percentage this year was over 70 or, or right at 69%, which is better than guys like Shaq or Steph Curry shot in college. So when you're dealing with an 18 year old who just won MVP in a, in a league that a lot would say is more competitive than college basketball. These are professional basketball players in Turkey, some grown men. You've got an 18 year old MVP, with a 70 true shooting percentage um, and you could get him conceivably at nine at center. I love that, that uh, prospect. Does it mean he's going to be great? Who knows? I mean, he has uh, issues with size at center. He's not super mobile, but if you're asking me like, is there one player that I'm pretty confident will be there at nine that I would really like to see the Kings draft. And I'm someone that's almost always shooting for stars in the draft. I don't want to hit singles. You can hit singles in free agency. You can hit doubles in free agency. You got to find a star if you're the Sacramento Kings in the draft. And uh, Shengun is one guy that could be a star. There are others, sure. But um, he's someone that at least, you know, at 18 years old, he's shown uh, some star trajectory. It's like he's, he's been this good already. What does this player look like six years from now in the NBA? I don't know, but there's a lot of potential there
1: anyone else tony that you've got eyes on i know bryant would be uh would be driving to boston right now if if you didn't (laughs) mention somebody
2: like a moses moody or a franz wagner yeah i think both moody and wagner wagner is that how you would say that i know his brothers in the league already Um, both of those guys would be uh, fine with me too that's what i'm saying there's not a lot of guys that would anger me and i know the kings could use a wing uh wagner is supposedly a very good defender um i've only saw a few of his games at michigan and i wasn't like is super blown away by what I saw, but I trust guys like Brian and guys who watch, uh, that stuff and, and analyze the draft better than myself. The Kings need a wing. Everybody knows that Moody and, and Wagner are the two best in their sort of range. So I'm totally fine with those guys. And I think, uh, Moody is, is a little bit more concerning because I, I feel like he might, uh, I guess I would say Moody might have more potential and, uh, Franz would be a safer, safer, like role player wing that you could see being almost like a, a Joe Ingles, maybe better defender who can pass shoot if his shot comes around and, and fit in real nicely where that's sort of a, a maybe a lower risk pick. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm all about shooting for stars, um, but I'd be fine with those picks as well.
1: I think we've got a a draft where we have a lot of we 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 feel as Kings fans we have a need for uh, a small forward or a tweener that's a shooting guard small forward or small power power forward and right there at nine we've got I mean six or seven options there where uh, we talked about uh, Franz already but we've also got uh, somebody like a Corey Kispert that some people love his ability to shoot Uh, we've got Josh Giddy who's technically a point guard, but he's six foot eight and he's got playmaking abilities, uh, you know, coming out of his ears. You've got a guy like Zaire Williams, who, who I personally like. And if we're swinging for the fences, he's a massive swing for the fence, but that could, could pay off dividends, uh, not next year, but in, in years to come. Um, Jerry, I'm wondering your perspective on this only because Tony brought it up. Do you think the Kings need to hit a home run in the draft or are they, because they were so close to, uh, the 10th seed which is a uh, uh, post basketball now that they could hit a, a ground rule double or they could hit a, a single and be okay in this draft
0: well that's a great question i mean do they need to hit a home run yes they need to hit a home run uh what's the odds of that uh pretty slim you know there there may not be a, a good pitch to hit <laughs> you know, I mean, keep it on baseball analogy. and So there just may not be that guy there. Uh, having said that, I, I mean, history proves that that you know that at nine there's some stars. I mean, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, Sean Marion, Demar Derozan, Gordon Hayward. Uh, I was going through the list. Uh, uh, just in the last 25 years, eight guys that were picked ninth were all stars. In the last twenty-five years, eleven guys that were picked number one made all stars. So, I mean, uh, I'm not trying to give up false, uh, you know, optimism here, but but clearly these things happen. And uh, is is that guy in this draft? Well, sure, he probably is. We just don't know, and that's uh, that's what the, and the Kings don't know right now. But that's what you're looking for. Yeah. So to answer your question, yeah. They, they need to hit a home run. Uh, now, would it be failure if they don't? No, as long as it's a double. Sure. But it damn sure better be a double sure. if they keep the pick.
1: Jerry, do you think that a nine is far enough down that the Kings can start drafting for fit? Or do you think you need to take, like you, you were discussing uh, Davion Mitchell, who's a, a smaller point guard. The Kings are obviously you know, set for their point guard of the future with uh, De'Aaron Fox and also having Tyrese Halliburton do you think that the Kings could draft for fit or do you think the Kings just need to pick the best available player that they think is going to be the guy with the the most star potential or the guy that could help them right away?
0: Well, I think you guys have mentioned, I certainly believe it. I think you're looking for a star. Sure. Uh, I mean, you may not be able to get one, but I mean, that's what you, and so that means best available player. And I still think that's the Kings don't have enough assets. They don't have enough uh, top level players. So if you could get one, that pick that's what you want to do now uh in you know if if you're not sure if two guys are about the same and you really can't say which one's better you know it's a uh you know then then the fit needs to come in there you know then draft for fit if you're not sure between two guys and one guy say you know just for instance i mean not that any of these things would happen but uh, say a Scotty Barnes and Mitchell are both there now that's not a likely at all of course. but say they were and you and you can't decide which one you really think is the best prospect for your team then you take what the one you should take probably the one that's going to give you a night better fit and uh, so having said that so I so it's a it, it's tough but but I, I mean the thing I've always said is you can always trade talent you know, sure. and, and, and certainly the Kings aren't really going to be in contention for, for anything much next year, uh, you know, short of uh, major, major trades and free agency, things like that, much like we've seen, you know, with Phoenix and, or, uh, Atlanta, you know, making major uh, jumps, uh, it wasn't through the draft. And so, uh, so, so, I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm stumbling all over the place here, but, but I mean, it, you know if you can uh, you got to get you got to get talent and if you take a Davion Mitchell and he t- turned out to be really good well what's the problem you know it, especially if you had planned on trading Buddy Heald or Dellon Wright uh you know it, we're not talking Dellon Wright is uh, the second coming here sure. of, of a great player he he you know he may be better than Mitchell right sure. now but but I mean, I don't know. So, uh, short answer: you better take the best player. You better take the best player. You can always trade talent. You can always trade talent. And uh, and that's how you get better is by having assets that people want.
1: Now, this is a we're we're going to spend some time here in the coming weeks uh, talking about various prospects and whatnot. But this is also a, a reality that uh, it's less for us and more for our uh, brother in arms over at uh, King's Pulse, Bryant West, who does a great job in his draft coverage. He knows for a fact that he's going to write 20 or so uh, previews of different players that the Kings could take. And on draft night, the Kings are going to trade that pick. (laughs) Do you you see, do you see, uh, where do you see the possibility of the Kings trading that pick? And maybe give me a percentage on where, how likely it is you think that the Kings keep this pick versus uh, versus traded away for, for other assets.
2: I think uh, there's a lot of speculation that the Kings are going to trade it, but there's also a lot of decently informed reporting that the Kings would like to trade it or at least acquire high end talent to get in the playoffs sooner. I think uh, it was James Hamm who last week had something where he, the Kings were, were likely to trade it or were look definitely open and looking to trade it. My problem. And I've said this for a couple of weeks now is that um, what kind of player are you getting for number nine in a a sort of a sketchy draft? I'm not going to call it a bad draft, but it's a, Like the nine spot is an interesting spot because it's, you could, I mean, the pool of players is so large of who you could, who you could take at nine this year. So it's kind of a weird draft is nine, that much more valuable than 10, 11, 12. I don't know. So if there's a lot of teams trying to trade out or trade down um, the market might not be as strong as the Kings want it to be. And where I specifically get frustrated with the, the concept of trading the pick, which I'm open to doing if the Kings can get a good return, but if they get someone who is not as good As Bogdan Bogdanovich, which is very likely because Bogdan Bogdanovich is a very good player. So if Monty McNair goes from losing Bogdanovich one off season for nothing to trading his pick for a veteran who's not as good as Bogdan Bogdanovich, which is very likely because I don't think the Hawks would trade bogey for nine. Right. So where you're kind of just not going anywhere. Um, my, my preference has always been to sort of build through the draft and, and build young and, and you have Fox and Halliburton who are very young. So keep adding, keep adding. Um, if you can get a player like Ben Simmons in a much larger package, because it's not going to be just nine, it's going to be nine, probably next year's prick, probably Bagley, probably buddy, maybe even more than that. Then I'm very interested. But if you're just, if your big offseason move is let's trade number nine and get someone who's not as good as the guy you just gave away last summer. I don't see how that really helps the Kings get anywhere. Uh, short or long term
0: yeah i really agree with that i I tell you i i mean i think the pick itself is not going to bring you much uh it's very it's just i mean there's there's it's an asset and it's a value but uh, to get something significant you're going to have to it's another chip a an existing player that's considered an asset to some level and the pick may get you something that could make you better and obviously, Tony's uh, thoughts on Ben Simmons, uh, I, I, would, I would do a lot to try to get Ben Simmons because, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the hope that he could learn to make free throws. Because I, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but for all his flaws, uh, he's been an all-star. Uh, and the last time I checked, I saw zero currently on the Kings roster. So you, you've upgraded uh, and, you, you know. Whether he ever becomes a good three point shooter, I could care less. But, uh, but uh, he can—he is a big time friggin' defender that uh, the Kings don't have. And you could play small ball with him at five, for God's sakes, and be, be in today's game and, and be pretty tough to cover.
1: I was curious about this. This is where we were headed before Tony uh, led us down that path, anyways. Um, Tony, is there any situation where you see the Kings coming out of the offseason with a Ben Simmons? Uh, uh, to me, to me, I uh, I believe the uh, the discussion over Ben Simmons being hyper available and his draft stock is or his his trade stock has never been lower. I see a lot of that as kind of smoke or other GMs wishfully thinking that that that's going to be the case. He's a defensive player of the year candidate at 24 years old. He's a three time All Star. I mean, he, he has wrinkles in his game, and those are the only kinds of Uh, potential stars i think the kings are going to get obviously there is no complete player but he you know you can't get the kings aren't going to trade for somebody who doesn't have some sort of issue you know that's the only reason they're available in the first place but i also don't see the kings finding themselves in a situation where they have the assets and capital to trade for ben simmons without including somebody like tyrese halliburton or or even daryl Morey, who's no dummy uh, asking for De'Aaron fox which is a a, a no-go anyways Is there, is there any situation where you see that the Kings not only have the assets for it, but can beat out other teams with a greater asset base or anything else like that? Tony,
2: honestly, I don't think the Kings have enough to trade for Ben Simmons, but that's because I like Jerry, I think Ben Simmons is awesome. Like I, I would, he's so he's younger than the rest of the Kings core outside of Halliburton and Fox. He's younger than Barnes and buddy. Um, I guess, Will, I don't know the answer to your question because the market will dictate what he's worth. Uh, I would think he's worth more than what the Kings can conceivably offer. And I would give, I mean, we've been talking about the Kings swinging for the fences for the past, honestly, it feels like two or three years now. And there hasn't been a player available that I've thought was worth that swing. um, Realistically available until Ben Simmons. He's young enough to fit with the guys they already have. He plays positions the Kings need because he can, like Jerry said, he can legitimately play them all. He's a, maybe the best wing defender in the league for a team that was the worst all time on defense last year. And what cracks me up is the, is the Kings fans who don't want him or think that like he wouldn't help the Kings or, or would pass. I mean, this is a, like a 24 year old two-time all-star that is seemingly available. And I don't, I don't care about the free throw shooting. And I don't care if he's not as aggressive on offense scoring has not been the problem, but just the high end talent and, and defense has been the problem for the Kings Simmons fixes a lot of that, but I don't, I mean, my pessimistic gut says the Kings don't have enough and that some other smart team will, who's closer to contending will make a much more competitive offer that gives Philly what they're looking for because Philly's also trying to contend what the Kings can trade is more in young and dra- like draft assets, this pick, maybe next pick and players and buddy and Barnes who are not as good as, as Simmons. So I don't know that they can put together the best package for a team that is also trying to contend.
0: You know, the one, the one thing, and I, I, I would again agree. I, I don't know that the Kings have enough assets to do it, but, the, but with the, you don't know what Philly situation is. We know they need more shooting. Uh, uh, yeah. certainly, uh, the, the pick, you know, I mean, that has to be of some interest to them uh, if they decide to move Ben and I'm not sure that they are, you know, I think for all the frustrations of the fans, I think the basketball people probably know that it's like, well, yeah, we, we, we need to get better. And the easiest way for us to get better is for Ben to get better and find a way for him to get better, which is exactly what we're all talking about that you, that free throw shooting is something that can be improved. And we, we see it all the time and, and just overall, he'll never be a great deep shooter. And that's not necessarily even a, who cares? I mean, uh, Jason Kidd was in, into his 10th or 11th year before he became one. Uh, he turned out pretty good. Uh, so, so anyway, but you know, I, would give up a lot for him. I know that I, I, I wouldn't give up Fox or Halliburton. I just wouldn't. That'd be there. That'd be the, you you guys can talk about anything else you want to talk about, but we're not gonna talk about those two.
1: Jerry, you you luck out sometimes in, in, in being uh, limited on your social media. We had people that I saw underneath an article. Very limited, by the way. <laughs> yes, very limited. But we had people that uh, you know, I don't want I don't want a Ben Simmons who was gonna who's going to uh, uh be a coward in the second round of the playoffs for the Kings or uh, takes like uh, you know, Marvin Bagley's already better than Ben Simmons, he just needs to be healthy. And uh, that's the stuff that makes me put my head through my keyboard uh, uh, because uh, Ben Simmons is in a class all of his own in terms of defense pretty much. He's, he's in rarefied air, I guess I'd say, in that regard. Uh, he's, he's an elite passer. Even if you don't play him as a point guard, if you played him as a, as a, as a four, he would, he would make the Kings a, a much better, a much deeper team. Uh, uh, certainly, certainly playoff expectations would go through the roof and i don't really care if he if he isn't clutch in the second round of the playoffs because the kings haven't made it to the 8th seed uh, or higher in 15 years so i'll i'll be disappointed about a second second round loss and i'll be disappointed for 10 years o- over that but, I'll, I'll, but i would take that over what we've had the last 15 and and, and it'd be you know. a great
0: sight to be disappointed about a second round loss but yeah we'd all i mean really let's get there first and then you can always uh, you know, worry. I, I just say just on the simplified version, if I were a fan and, you know, I said, I don't really like I don't want Ben Simmons. OK, you got every right to for whatever reasons, but you should be concerned a little bit. I think the fact is, how many teams do you think in the league would like to get it uh, not besides the king? Well, I, I'm going to tell you a whole bunch. And, and I just as a fan, then I would say, well, what is it about him? that a a whole bunch of so-called smart basketball people see in him that I don't see or willing to take the chance on him that I wouldn't. Uh, You know, I mean, that doesn't mean that the the herd's always right, but uh, I think there's an awful lot of sharp basketball people in this league that uh, would, would give up a lot of assets to get him right now.
2: The Kings have gotten themselves into trouble for the most part when they've done things that the rest of the league wouldn't do. So to Jerry's point, going and getting Ben Simmons is something 29 other teams would do. You know, 29 other teams may not have drafted Marvin Bagley second overall. They may have drafted Trey Young or Luka Doncic. That would be like the, the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like the, like the public opinion is sometimes right. You know, if everyone, if it's overwhelming people are saying Ben Simmons is very good, let's trade for him maybe the Kings shouldn't be the team that's like, nah, we'll pass. We don't need them. Like maybe they should just do what everyone else also wants to do. And that might get you to the playoffs once in 15 years. That's all.
1: Um, Moving, moving to another subject here. This is the only other thing that kind of made Kings news here in the last couple of weeks. And I wanted to get Jerry's opinion on it, not necessarily to continue to beat down a young guy or anything else like that, but uh, we had a, we had some, a Marvin Bagley sighting recently and uh, which is uh, sometimes rare in, in Sacramento. Um, he he uh, He's liking tweets again, Jerry, in which people are saying, um, you know, oh man, we really need to get Marvin Bagley out of Sacramento. And oh, Marvin's gonna be great as soon as you leave Sacramento. And then um, uh, after being called out for it, Marvin Bagley removed all references to him being a Sacramento Kings player or, or any reference to the Kings from his social media accounts. Uh, Jerry uh, I just want to get your opinion on not necessarily the petty nature of of silly things like that but um, where you see Marvin's trade value at this point of the year and whether you think it's it's high time to to move Marvin somewhere else where he can be successful well
0: I think you I think you'd be foolish not to to look into to trade Marvin at this stage I mean I think that uh, uh, certainly due to you know his development which he's, he's proven he can play in the league he's proven he can score in the league uh he hasn't proven he can stay on stay on the floor enough uh that's that's true uh you know you'd like for him to be more involved with the with the team Uh, i think there's there's off-court issues there all that being said i mean can if i'm the kings you say i need he's an asset now he's not the asset you thought he's going to be uh, but he is an asset and you've got to get something that, that can help you. And, and you got to probably, if you do make a trade, you got to realize that there's a chance Marvin's going to go off somewhere and play well, because he can score and rebound per minute. He's proven that. Uh, but your, your thoughts, uh, if you're Kings is, is what can we do to make our team better? And if we can trade Marvin for even a player, maybe less talented potentially, but a better fit, you know, uh, more of what we need, tough-minded defender. Uh, you know, no one's going to say in this world that P.J. Tucker is more talented than, than Marvin Bagley, and yet he might do more for you toward winning ball games. And, and to mm-hmm. me, that's the kind of thinking that you probably have got to come up with here uh, because from an asset standpoint, yes, he was the second pick in the draft. Well, you're not going to get the second pick in the draft this year or next year. Uh, that ship has sailed. Uh, so you, you just have to approach it that way, that, uh, okay, uh, other teams are judging him the same way, you, you know, the Kings fans are, or we are, is that uh, he's, he's got nice size, he's at, got some athleticism, uh, looks like he might be able to make the three, uh, you know, all that, he can maybe maybe someday be able to play center, uh, so there's some value because we think he can do these things better going forward. And so that's what the Kings have got to, you know, and that's what the value he has to them. But, uh, you know, go get something that fits your team better. That's all. Just fits your team better going forward.
1: I'm, I'm curious, Jerry, as, uh, as, a, as a former former general manager, um, say, you're, say you're the general manager of the Kings right now, and you've got Oklahoma City calling you and they say, Hey, we've got, we got, uh, you know, pick 16, we've got pick 18. Is that something that would interest you? Is, is a pick in the teens his, the cap out of his value? Is, is, it a, is it higher than that? Is it something that you think that you could get a, a starter for Marvin Bagley, maybe an overpaid one or an oft injured one, but somebody who's been a vet in the league? Where, where do you see his the line of pull, pulling the trigger versus not?
0: Well, yeah, I think you have, to, to me, to, to establish his value, you almost need to uh, make sure you're talking to every team in the league. And say, look, we're we're looking to do things. We're obviously a team that needs to do things. We have two guys we really don't want to talk about, you know. So yeah. we're not interested in, in trading Fox or Halliburton, but we can have discussions about anybody else. And and so it's up to, I mean, trying to find out value for you might be trying to find out value for two or three players, but make make teams aware that you're open to talking about anybody. And, and at some point with the other 29 teams, you'll get you can get some kind of an idea of what what Marvin, what teams would be interested in Marvin, let's say, and, and what what value they attach to him or what other teams might attach to Marvin, even though they might not be interested in trading for him. But that give you some idea of what you might think that you could go to another team, and say, well, you showed interest in Marvin, but uh you know, we need A, B, and C to, to get, you know, you're just talking about A and B sure. and that sort of thing. So, so it's, it's a process, but I, I think you have to approach it from the, the idea of we're going to talk to the league, the, the entire league, sure. uh, you know, to find out value.
1: Tony, just so I can get the other side of it here, um, you know, sometimes they say that uh, the, the best cure for this, for, for you know, malcontention is winning. Do you think that there's a uh, do you think that there's a universe in which Marvin Bagley's relationship with the Sacramento Kings can be saved, not necessarily with the fandom, uh, which would come in time with a win, but the Kings get the seventh seed next year and Marvin Bagley starting a power forward. Does that heal things uh, for Marvin
2: or do you think this is long past gone and it's time. I think there's a a world where it could work. I mean. I don't need to There's plenty of examples of teams with bad chemistry or players that don't like their coaches or whatever, where things work. I think the, the problem with the Kings is they haven't really done anything to address any of this Marvin Bagley stuff. And, and maybe they can't, maybe there's no real answer to players being a ca- passive aggressive on social media. And you obviously can't police, the, the triggering things that his dad might say or tweet that I personally don't care about, but I know it riles up the fans and people are you know tweeting screenshots and all that. And it's, it's just creating this, um, I don't know, this uncomfortable culture and chemistry around the, the Bagley situation. I think it's possible that it, that it fixes itself in, in some ways, but I think the Kings need to maybe be a little bit more clear and, and maybe they're not telling Marvin what his role is, but I don't think he should come into camp this year uh, assuming that he is a starter or, or assuming that he deserves this many touches or this many minutes. I think like it's kind of an open competition again. And, and I think Jerry said this, but stop treating him like, or others have said this, to stop treating him like he's the number two pick and now he's just a player on the roster. And if he can do that and, and play well, and it wouldn't surprise me if he plays well, either here or somewhere else next year, then sure, it could be okay. But I think I think the chemistry thing is, is annoying everyone at this point where it's like, we either need to decide, are we going to make this work together? Or if it's not, can we get rid of it so we can stop doing this over and over again? And I think we're reaching sort of that boiling point this summer with that stuff where it's going to be up to Marvin and the Kings to come together and decide, you know, can we shut up for a minute and play basketball? Not just Marvin. I mean, the Kings too. Can we just focus on the basketball and do that? Or can we not? And then we have to to move on because I don't think the Kings can do another year of, of this stuff, uh, this carousel again.
0: Yeah, that's a great point too on that. You know the chemistry stuff uh i really do believe so much of the chemistry is related to winning ball games uh and, and guys unhappy i always remember early in the year john collins of atlanta was unhappy uh, yeah. he's not he's very happy now he looks uh, very happy you know and now we we kind of know what happened he's playing the last minutes his stats are down but but john collins seems to be a very happy camper now well you know that that, that sometimes changes don't happen that quick but they can. So I, I wouldn't, you know, I I'm, couldn't agree more. I, I think with, with Marvin, if he's back, uh, Hey, uh, it's up to you to prove to earn your minutes. Uh, that ship sailed. Number two sailed. Uh, you're, 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 you're a guy that's got to prove, prove to us how good you are. We don't have to prove to you <laughs> type thing. And I, I think the Kings, you know, that's kind of where the first couple of years was kind of the 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 other way to where it was always the franchise has got to do prove to you. Well, well no, uh, you know, now now it's you're a professional basketball player. And and if you're going to be a top player, you got to prove you're a top player.
1: Jerry, I'm curious now, uh, just just going back in time a little bit here. Did you have a player that you either drafted or you traded for or you signed that showed up in Sacramento and just absolutely hated it? That just, I, I, and obviously the Kings weren't weren't winning that much at the time, and so I'm sure there were some guys that hated losing. But was there anyone that stuck stuck out in your mind that just absolutely either hated the city or hated the situation he was in, and and aired those grievances to you?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, a couple come to mind. Uh, uh, Spud Webb, uh, yeah. you know, really was a difficult uh, difficult. When we first got him, you know, came from Atlanta Hawks, a, a big winner and spud was you know a hero there just like he became in sacramento but yeah he didn't like it at all at first uh, but you know and and i and i had tried to have conversations It's very difficult to have conversations when the other person doesn't speak back you know it's <laughs> it's kind of a one-way <laughs> deal but but, uh, but but eventually uh you know it, it all it worked great for spud and, and he'd be the first to tell you it's the best time of his life so You know, it's just because it starts that way doesn't mean it have to end that way. Mitch Richmond was a lot that way, Hmm. and uh, now I know near the end of his career, Jeff Petrie, or here at least, had a lot of problems with him because, but it's all related to money. Sure, it it wasn't really related to anything else. He was always looking for another, a better contract kind of thing when he was under contract. Uh, So I, I, I don't blame. Jeff for the franchise for that there wasn't any reason to do that but uh so he and he wasn't happy when he's traded here because he was very happy being part of run tmc sure uh but uh you know i thought we cut through a lot of that by in, in you know just making him aware that his career uh he could accomplish much more here by being the number one guy than being part of tmc kind of thing and in which all of it did come true many all-stars and hall of fame and things like that wouldn't have happened probably had he not you know had he stayed with them and then point out of course the most important thing with a lot of unhappy players when they're traded is that we traded for you because we wanted you the other trade team traded traded you to us because they wanted somebody else
1: Sure.
0: and Sometimes you have to point out the uh, the actual reality of the circumstance. (laughs) Uh,
1: So 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 moving along then to uh, to uh, some coaching hires, only because the NBA has had a flurry of coaching hires since uh, since we last talked about it. Um, We've 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 had four so far. We have a couple of candidates for some other ones. And I wanted to get your guys opinions on them um Jerry only because uh, uh we'll we'll start here only because this is a this is your home state and uh and somebody that uh, uh that's fairly well connected to you in one way or another with uh, uh but Indiana and Rick Carlisle getting hired I wanted I wanted to get your opinion on that one.
0: Well, I think that's a, almost a sure thing. You know, I mean Rick Carlisle's a terrific coach. He's proven that. He proved that Detroit as a head coach. He proved that in Indiana before. Uh you know, had some 60 win teams uh, proved that in Dallas with a world champion and a lot of 50, 60 win teams type thing. Uh, So yeah, that's a sure thing, you know, uh, will it be great forever? No, I wouldn't say that. I, I, you know, I, I think Rick, Rick like a lot of coaches and I think he probably did overstay his welcome a little bit in Dallas just because of what he had accomplished and credit to him for whatever reasons, but to step aside because I think it probably was time, and so that that to me that's a that's a home run higher. and uh, you know I, I I don't know how they could have got anybody better, and, and if you know the Pacers actually probably were devastated more by injuries than just about any team in the league, uh, they could really they could be the next Atlanta Hawks Phoenix Suns thing next year, uh, <laughs> big big surprise.
1: Uh, the next one, uh, and only because this is, uh, closer to, to, uh, to Tony. Now, uh, we've got uh, a MA Odoka that got hired by the Boston Celtics. Tony, I'm curious as to what your opinions are on this.
2: I think that's going to be an awesome fit. I, I think, um, the, the early reports that the Celtics wanted a former player and the talk was Chauncey Billups. I think Udoka is, is the best version of the former player type coach that you could possibly hire because he has so much more coaching experience than someone like Chauncey Billups. Um, the Celtics needed someone who could better communicate with the players than Brad Stevens. And I think someone like Yudoka, who was a, a journeyman player who knows everyone in the league also has coached under some of the best, like Greg Popovich, uh, also played under Popovich. So for a team that wanted a former player coach, um, I don't think you could do better than Yudoka. I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but I think, and even I was watching his press comments earlier today, um, saying all the right things and also not being afraid to be critical of the team last year that was coached by brad stevens who is now his boss so i think that uh, he already seems to be the strong personality that isn't afraid to call people out if maybe they deserve it um but also someone who can uh, better empathize empathize with the struggles of a player than brad stevens could so i think that hire was uh better than anyone else that could have brought in honestly
0: yeah he seems like a, you know certainly he's uh waited for his turn you know i mean he's got as an you just never know about assistants till they become head coaches, but uh, you know if there's a guy you you know that you think is ready, you'd have to think he's right at the top. And I think that, I think the Celtics made a good, solid hire there. He's familiar with the talent. Uh, I guess the question I just with the Celtics is uh, how do they get better? Uh, a coaching change could help them, but uh, I've always said you know their biggest problem to me was losing stars with for nothing you know Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward uh, well don't don't be surprised when you're not as good
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so so these uh these final two teams uh they they've gotten uh fan bases rightly kind of uh looking one way or another and and not necessarily happy about these decisions but I'm curious as to what Jerry and, and Tony think of the basketball decision side of things first um dallas uh with the jason kid hire and uh portland with chauncey billups jerry uh what do you think of those hires just kind of at face value um just kind of your your quick hit reactions to those
0: you know my quick hit is that, that it's not to say both those won't be good at their jobs i don't think either team improved their coaching sure you know they changed it and a change might be enough you know uh, initially but, but in my mind, uh, I don't know enough about Chauncey and nobody does other than he was a hell of a player and, and a natural leader, but Terry Stotts was a heck of a coach. I think he got about as much out of that team as anybody's going to that, you know, it's one of those deals that, that at the end of it, we should win a championship. Well, why should you win a championship? You're not a championship team. <laughs> you don't have enough. And, uh, and so, but, but Terry had been there a while. And so they probably needed a change. And, and i like to say, I just don't necessarily, I'm not as confident of Chauncey as I am of uh, Udoka. I don't know that his training is as good, but, but his name is better. He has more credibility as a player and that may help him. So, so I'm okay with it. Jason Kidd has been a head coach. He's been an assistant coach, a terrific, great player. Uh, he's had his, you know, you know, definitely, uh, you know, he's been fired a couple of times. Uh, now it doesn't mean he won't be this won't be a good fit for him. And and uh, but I don't think they improved their coaching by going from Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd. That that would be my doesn't, doesn't mean he can't work because if it's a better relationship with Luca and they can add some talent, which they clearly need on that team, then then Jason Kidd's got a chance to maybe make the team better.
1: I'm curious, Jerry, is there's a couple of things here that 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 play into this more than just um, especially with both of these teams uh, in terms of uh, obviously Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups have um, have paths have have things about them that um, that would kind of disqualify them in people's minds to, to being head coaches in the league. And I'll, we won't touch on that too much. But I'm more curious about your perspective on um, Damian Lillard has as kind of Shown that he's frustrated with the way Neil Olshi uh, was uh, kind of ran this show. That, uh, that um, obviously uh, they put some names in front of him, and Dame is kind of in between those names. And now people who are rightly calling for Damien Lillard to speak out about things that have been uncovered about Chauncey Billups or have come to light. Um, I'm curious uh, if Neil Oshi wanted to back out of this yesterday at, at, at 5 p.m. before they have their press conference. Is that something as a general manager you could do? Is that something that you could you can go to the the head uh, of of your organization? You go to the owner and say, "Hey, Dame Dame's looking to leave now. Dame is pissed off. Can we can we restart this? Is there a way Neil Olshi survives a coaching hire like this if they don't win a championship? Is there a way that Damian Lillard sticks around if they bounce out of the first round next year?
0: Well, to answer your question, uh, will Olshey will he make it if the team say doesn't take a clear step forward the answer would be no uh no he's on the clock now you know he, he the the fault was terry stotts so now okay this you hired this guy and i and you know he didn't hire him without dame's uh, approval I, i'll say that so as far as anything associated with uh chauncey i, I don't know all any particulars but i i think that Lillard had to be on board with this one the thing that strikes me very very funny is that Lillard really pushed and made a big deal of Vanderpool not getting the job to in uh, Minnesota yeah and we didn't hear his name mentioned by Dame at all for this job not once you know in other words Minnesota is supposed to hire him but and you're you're blasting them for not hiring him but so I I, I think I I just don't like that look from if you're going to be outspoken, let's let's follow through on it. Uh, So so Vanderpool was your guy in Minnesota, but he's not your guy for you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The the other the other one that that strikes me is Jason Kidd. And obviously, Jason has a as a history as well. And uh, Mark Cuban has a history of of um, problems in his organization in that way. Um, and then, uh, and I want to. I'm trying to be sensitive here, only that we're we're dancing around a topic that needs to be discussed, but that that needs to be discussed by people that are a little bit more uh, involved and in depth with that than than you, me, or Tony can be. And so um, I'm trying to stay more towards the basketball side of things than than discussing uh, the domestic violence um, um, from Jason Kidd and obviously the, the sexual violence from from Chauncey Billups. So um, uh, we're sticking a little bit closer to the basketball here on this, but um, Jason Kidd's hiring of, of certain assistant coaches as well. He he's been hired. He's talking to JJ Barea. He's talking to somebody like a Jason Terry. Do you think that a that a, a sideline that's full of just NBA point guards and former NBA players has any chance of being successful, especially when you've got a, a team under the pressure like uh, like a Dallas Mavericks team is?
0: Well, I think it I think it's okay. Uh, those two guys in particular, because staffs are so big, you know, if, if in fact you had a, like in, in the old days where you, you hired two assistants and, and that's what you had, I would say this is probably a big mistake. Uh, but today when you have five assistants, obviously I, I'd be surprised if Jason doesn't hire, you know, basically guys that have a lot of experience, you know, with the offense, with the defense, with development, all those things. So I, I, I don't think it's a concern. I, I think if those those are guys who are well respected around the league, have been good players, uh, uh, fans certainly in Dallas remember them. So I, I you know, to me it, it, you know, it, it it's probably a good
1: move. If you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, do you start sweating when he brings on Tyson Chandler as as your uh, as his fourth assistant coach?
0: I might start sweating then. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's a point where you've kind of got to, you better get a couple of
0: old
2: hands. Where's Eduardo Najara? Get him on there next. Yeah. Well, now, there,
0: yeah. you know, there again, that's one of my real contentions that we always talk about diversity, but how many uh, Hispanic Americans are coaching, you know, in the NBA? You know, it's like, a, why, don't we, why don't we really try to sp- find more spots? so many, so many spots available for Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, Native Americans. It, it just, you know, I think, I think, the, I think it's, you know, a lot more needs to be done on those lines.
1: The NBA has a long road to hoe in a lot of these situations and uh, mm-hmm. especially uh, the last couple of summers, you can see the, the cracks starting to form, not necessarily that the league's product is bad, only that they still have a long way to go uh, before the NBA is equitable for, for pretty much anyone um especially uh, when you think of somebody like a lindsey harding or uh, becky hammond who came down to these final coaching spots and neither of them uh got one at this point in time
0: i got one thought though on that with becky and i i think she might be terrific I, I don't know but my thought is is why hasn't san antonio made the commitment to her if if, if in fact they feel like she is you know, a head coach in the waiting sure. made a, a commitment to win. When Greg Popovich steps aside, which will be much longer. Sure. That she'll be the head coach. And, and it, 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 always concerns me or I find a little confusing. They haven't done that. Sure. Why haven't
1: they done that? Absolutely. Um, so, so the last one I want to talk about only because it was recently in the news is uh, the Orlando magic interviewed Penny Hardaway for, for their, uh, head coaching job. And Jerry, I'm curious as to your thoughts as a former player and a former star for that team, um, coming back to coach that team and whether or not you think he would be a, a good coach for the the young group that they have there in Orlando.
0: Well, you know, he, at least he was a head coach in college, at university of Memphis. And, and so has a background there, uh, of course being a, you know, other than Shaq, their greatest star, uh, I, I don't know if little penny gets to come with him. I'm not sure about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I I think with a bunch of young guys and, and uh, you know they are totally in a total rebuild. Uh, I don't I don't see why that isn't a pretty good hire. Uh, you know, they're, they're not going to win, but he has a lot. Of, he would have a lot of credibility, uh, you know, with the young players. I would think, uh, as long as he, you know he provides good information and as far as attracting free agents and all that, uh, you know, I'd have to say. Until we know more about Penny as an NBA coach. Sure. Uh, that seems like a pretty darn good hire to me.
1: Let's uh, let's go to uh, let's go to our uh, Patreon question of the day, Tony.
2: Thank you, Will. All right, it's time for the Patreon question of the show. Every week on this podcast, we take one question from our Kings Herald community or Kings Twitter or our Patreon at patriot.com slash Kingsherald and ask it to Jerry. Um we eventually get to all questions that you submit to Jerry. Either we answer them on the main show here or once a month we do a Patreon-exclusive Q&A with Jerry Reynolds where we compile all the questions you guys have submitted and ask them all to Jerry in one big Patreon-exclusive Q&A. So keep submitting questions. We'll get them to Jerry eventually. Um, And then on occasion, on weeks like this week where Tony forgets to uh, write a question prompt or source questions for Jerry, I'll swipe questions from our Chainmail post on the King's Herald. Chainmail is a weekly-ish Q and a mailbag with our very own Tim Maxwell and Will Griffith on the King's Herald, where they take a bunch of questions from the King's Herald community and answer them uh, in text form. So I'm swiping one of those for our Patreon question this week. Blame Tony. That's on me. Um, Had a busy week. Forgot to find the questions, forgot to source questions, forgot to ask people to submit questions. So we're stealing one from Wizsocks on the King's Herald on the chainmail question prompt post. And Wizsox says, "Um, I see a lot of takes about trading the ninth pick. Considering Cap, what real targets that would make the team better this year are available and what could be had for the ninth pick and one of healed Bagley Barnes or just the ninth pick alone? And my little uh, sub addition to this question is, how would you guys uh, value the ninth pick? I know we've talked about it in this podcast already, but if you can just assign like a player value or what kind of player you should expect for a ninth pick in a draft like this, uh, where would you come down on that? So, Jerry, I'll ask you first to go ahead and answer that question from Sox.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty tough, to be honest with you. I, I think to get something that you'd feel good about, I, I just think the pick would have to be as part of a deal. Uh, you know, to get, to get a, a player that you think is going to have a chance to make you significantly better, uh, the pick itself I don't think would do that. I I mean, I just don't see how that would do that. That's why it wouldn't interest me of trading the pick itself for somebody. I think you get a, probably another role player and the Kings have some good, pretty good role players. That's not the issue. And so to me, it'd be, yes, if you can use that pick as part of a deal, whether it's, you know, you pick the guy, whether it's with, with buddy or Harrison or, or, or Marvin, uh, and the pick that would gift you somebody you thought would to make you better next year as well as going forward. That's how you got to look at it. And I, I think there's probably some out there. I, 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 it's hard, it's hard to know. And I think that's what Monty McNair has got to do is to get, as we said earlier, I mean, find out the value of your assets and that includes the pick. You know, do you like, are you interested in this pick? If you are, let me know are you interested in this pick? You know, with a player and you might go in with several teams uh, you know for instance I, I've, I've got a, a love affair with Miles Bridges of uh, Charlotte uh, and I would certainly make a point to go to Charlotte and say look uh, we, we you know would you, 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 would you have an interest in X? Say, say maybe Marvin Bagley for instance in the ninth pick uh, you need some size you got some guys becoming free agents and obviously had a lot of success. He'd be a popular player in uh, there if with his Duke ties and uh, ninth pick. And you got Gordon Hayward. You, you you got a duplication to some degree with Miles Bridges. Uh, what about it? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. I don't know if that answered your question. But, and there's, there, you know, you could go on to seven or eight. You could find seven or eight type deals and maybe include a different player as as opposed to Marvin, that that might appeal to to another team that maybe has a has what what you might think you need. In other words, I think Miles Bridges would be terrific. That doesn't mean he would be. Doesn't mean you think so. <laughs>
2: well, what do you think is the? I mean, it could be a player that you don't even think the Kings would trade for. But what is the value of a ninth pick in a in the draft this year? We talking about a starter? You know, can we get that level or, or what? I, you think?
1: Think if, I think you're looking at a uh, either a spot starter or a, a young guy that hasn't quite um, developed for his team but is good enough that another two years, you know, one team is, is ready to be gone with him and another team is ready to, to take a risk on him being a sixth yeah. or seventh man for a couple of years and then hope he develops. I was kind of, uh, miles. Miles was the package I was looking at too, thinking about throwing in even like, well, maybe they would use Buddy and they'd have Rozier and Buddy and Hayward. So they'd have a group of core vets, but they also have a guy like LaMelo and they have some young guys in there too. And that could push them from, you know, from what, 10th to 6th or 7th. Um, I think somebody maybe like, if um, the Pelicans felt like they needed another another guy, maybe you could get Josh Hart, you know, Josh Hart, who's, who yeah. would be a, a guy that you could swing for for the Kings and just use him as a as a small ball small forward and kind of a guy coming off the bench it's it's somebody that i I don't think he'll be a long-term starter it would be somebody that you'd be like oh, i'm really glad we have him on the bench but the ninth by itself is really hard to to judge but throwing in a buddy throwing in a bagley uh if if it's somebody that knocks your socks off Okay, then you can kind of toss in Harrison Barnes and then figure it out from there. But that, 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 that's kind of a little bit further. That's kicking the can a little bit further down the road still. But,
0: buddy, I mean, to me, I agree with everything you guys said. It, to me, it, it really gets down to just what we talked about all along: is that that the ninth pick can't probably bring you what you need quickly, and sure. uh, yeah. and even if you're giving up a good player along with the ninth pick, if you're getting a guy who is better, because you're looking for t- more talent at the top of your lineup. I mean, that's where the Kings are, are weak. It's at the top. It isn't. It isn't seven through twelve. Uh, and so, so if you can get a guy that you say he's going to be for sure number three, or maybe even number two on this roster, then giving up quite a bit makes sense because it's quality, not quantity. Always has. Him.
1: So now we're going to roll over to our, uh, the, our Reynolds wrap-up. Jerry, uh, what do you have for us today? Well, I said a couple of things.
0: Uh, you know, I think just, just – uh, it's an amazing te- thing to me, watching the playoffs, to realize – Now I don't know that it will happen. It probably won't. But we could have, playing for the championship of the NBA, two teams that weren't in the playoffs last year. Yeah. yeah weird. Think about that. I mean, I, I mean, I'm old and I don't remember that sort of thing ever happening. Now, I, I really don't think it's going to happen. And then, of course, if the fact it did and still could, uh, the Suns certainly look like they'll make it. You could have a team that did not make the playoffs be the world yeah. champion. So if you're a Kings fan, and I know, I know, don't, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to punish you. Here, but I mean, things do change. They can't they may not change for the kings but they but they seem to change for for other teams so there's that and and i think the other thing you know i uh, uh, just you know just a thought on the tony and i talked about this a little the the nba inju- the injury situation it's been terrible it's really hurt the product this year i mean guys don't get hurt on purpose but wh- what's causing it and you know everybody's got different and I, I got one thought that's completely different nearby else's. And this is you just put this down as a as, uh, old gray-haired fool talking. Uh, but I think I honestly think that the NBA in particular, worse than any other sport, they spend more time strength training and training players year-round than any other sport. And I think that that it's not good. I think athletes need five, six weeks of of not not doing much of anything you know that being out of shape for a few weeks a year is a good thing and uh this constant you know uh, you can you can stretch a rubber band and keep stretching it pretty soon it might break and and i think that's uh you know i I really think that that uh, under the guise of doing the right thing may be the wrong thing you know i mean i'm old enough to remember when, when in training, part of basketball training was you shouldn't drink water while you're playing. Yeah. So there. So, so some of the great thinkers of the past have been proven to be wrong. And, I, and I'm just convinced that 12 months of your training is not a good thing for any athlete. You need bodies need to rest and, and get refreshed.
1: Jerry, um, you, we've said some foolish stuff on the show. I'm sure that history will uh, will will embarrass us in one way or another years down the road. I don't think that was one of them. I don't think so. I, I mean, I've got plenty <laughs> of things
0: that I am embarrassed about. But, <laughs> but I mean, that is the thing, though. You know, you go back, and whether it's medicine or training, there's so many things that have just been proven to be wrong. And I and I I think under the guys that think you are doing right. And and we all want to be right, and we all have thought we were right in certain things, and proven to (laughs) prove to ourselves we were wrong. And I think this might be one of them.
1: Well, that was our old gray-haired fool segment of the show, which I'm now renaming (laughs) forever. (laughs) um, Yeah,
2: name it that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You guys have any final thoughts uh, on these last two weeks of Kings basketball or basketball in general before we go?
2: I'm ready for the draft.
1: Let's go. Let's get these
2: finals wrapped up. Let's get into the off season. Let's make some moves and and start having some real kink stuff to talk about ready for the draft
0: totally agree get some trades get shaking, moving want something to be optimistic about i need some optimism
1: three for three on that one optimism is key on this one so well for everyone here at uh, the king's herald show we'd like to thank you for uh listening to another episode uh of us and uh and sitting along as we uh as we just get to talk basketball and uh waiting for king's news to to come about and uh Thank you again for listening, and uh, we will see you in, uh, in a couple of weeks.